Hi everyone, this is Jessica Chen and you are listening to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Each episode is meant to teach and inspire you to find new ways to level up your speaking skills. Because here's the truth, it's possible and I'm so thrilled you're here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. Now let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Today, I am chatting with my good friend, Long Nian Li. Now, Long is the chairman at City Private Bank in the South Asia region, and he is no stranger to our show because it has always been so fun chatting with Long Nian Li because we have a shared passion for helping folks level up their communications and leadership abilities. And today, we're going to be continuing our conversations. Today, we're going to be talking about leadership communication skills. We're going to be chatting about how you can lead a team with excellent communication skills. How can you communicate what you need from your team? As a great manager, you need to be thinking about how you can motivate and inspire your team. We're going to be sharing our favorite tips and tricks. And how can you improve your listening skills to be a better leader? Because one thing that when we think about communications is it's not just what you say. It's ensuring that you are listening to those around you so you really have a good temperature check of what's going on. Lung and I are so excited to dive into this topic. So let's get started with leadership communication skills with my friend, Lung. Hey, Lung, how's it going? Hi, Jessica. Hello, everyone. <laughs> so I know uh, I gave a quick intro of you, Lung, but for those who aren't familiar with who you are, the work you do, just give us a quick intro of who sure. is Lung. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm a banker. I've been with City, uh, Citibank for 32 years, uh, which means that some of you who are on this uh, call today may not have been born when I joined the bank. So 32 years at City, um, currently chairman of uh, the private bank for South Asia. Uh, I've worked in various roles at City. I was in the markets, global markets business doing foreign exchange uh, options, derivatives structuring for about 25 years. I've also done general management. I was chief operating officer for Singapore. I did um, anti-money laundering. I was the CEO for Citibank Malaysia about eight years ago, uh, till two years ago before coming back to join the private bank. So, oops, Jessica, did she disappear? Oh, can you hear me? I can see you and I can hear you okay, uh, I, I, I we can't see you. I'm not sure, but I'm live. Okay. Well, can you hear me at least? Can people still see us? I can see you and I can hear you. Okay, Long. Just yep. want to make sure all the tech and all that. Can everybody see and hear us? I just want to make sure everything's okay. Now, now, now I can. Okay. At least okay. I can. That's okay. the beauty with these virtual events. Sometimes you never know what's going to happen. You just kind of have to like go on your feet. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's me, right? And and over the last, I would say, uh, four years, I decided to start uh, putting stuff out on LinkedIn based on my experience at City. 
um, my career and just share with everybody um, my learnings, uh, share with people, you know, um, how to be resilient, how to be self-aware, how to perhaps communicate better. And all this is, you know, it's not gospel truth, I always say. It's just based on my experience. And, you know, um, hopefully people will not make the same mistakes that I did. And, mm -hmm. you know, and just share. That's it. All right. So, Long, again, I appreciate you spending your morning with us. I know it's Tuesday morning where you are right now. So let's just get started with this event. So as everybody knows, this is about leadership communication skills. And I just want to kick off this conversation by asking you, Long, how do you even approach becoming a better communicator? Is this something that you were born with? Is this something that you had to learn? How did you even develop good leadership communication skills and even backing up what does that even mean? What is leadership communication skills in your book? Sure. Um, I, I think there are a few aspects to this. The first one is by make, making mistakes. I think mm -hmm. I, I grew up making mistakes um, by, you know, talking too much by trying to cram in so much information into a conversation, trying to impress, um, and speaking too fast, because sometimes we are nervous. So good communication skills for me, or good leadership communication skills, is basically getting your point across as simply and as clearly as possible. And that includes uh, tempo, uh, the speed at which you speak, um, about clarity, clarity of thoughts, um, keeping it short and concise. One mistake which I realize um, uh, people do is using big words. <laughs> you know, words that you know you have to uh, look up the dictionary. Or Google, what does what's he trying to say? What's that word? I've never heard it, heard that word before. I, I think good communication skills and particularly leadership skills, it's all about communicating simply, mm -hmm. getting your point across succinctly and as efficiently as possible. Keep it simple. That's it. I remember this is a motto that you echoed in our previous Soulcast Media Lives. It's like, gosh, people just try to complicate things that don't need to be complicated. Like, let's just keep things simple. Just tell me as it is, right? And I think I know, and actually, for those who are watching right now, why don't you drop in the comments if you have access to the comments section? What does leadership communications mean to you? I would love to get everybody's thoughts on this as Lung and I continue to talk about this topic. But let us know. Have you ever experienced good leadership communication skills or have you ever experienced working with somebody who did not have good leadership communication skills? Drop some of your experiences and thoughts in the comments below, but I'll share a story long. It's, it's the same thing. So I mentioned I started out my career as a TV journalist. So I was on TV every day communicating and my manager would always remind us, just tell it as it is. Whether you're communicating something complex, complicated, dense or whatever. People don't need to know a lot of times the nitty gritty detail. You as a communicator, you just need to be able to capture people's attention. 
And the only way to capture people's attention is if you make it understandable from the very beginning. Is that something that you've experienced as well, Lum? Yeah. So, so I was thinking as you were, uh, you were talking through your points, communication skills at different levels. If you are talking to your bosses, right, they have the experience and they get it. Mm-hmm. Right? So you don't need to go into the nitty-gritty details unless they ask you. Yeah. Right? Give them the key points. That's it. Right? But at the working level, you probably need to give more guidance. And my 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 take is if at the working level, always give quantifiable uh, communication. What does that mean? If you know, you can say, oh, get this done. Sure. By when? Right? People, when you want to communicate, give good guidance. Oh, can this be done by this evening? Right? By lunchtime, by the end of the week, for example. I find that giving people specific times, right, or specific guidance, can you please give me five points around the situation, keep it short by the end of today, right? That's better that guidance than, you know, uh, you know, can you please comment? And it becomes, yeah, okay. Then people go to town on, on, on that, that comment, right? And they just write and just, they don't know what you're asking for. So, so I think it's important that we give that sort of guidance in our communication um, be specific, as specific as possible. And especially if you're speaking to your bosses, right? Every, everybody's um, tied up for time. You know, I've got staff that come up to me and that start talking about everything, you know. If, if, if it's a five-minute conversation, you know, don't spend four minutes talking about, you know, what you did over the weekend, you know. Keep it, you know, you got to balance it out, you know, right. that 80-20 type rule. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at some of the comments that are coming in. Uh, Simon saying it, he thinks which one? Simon Clark. Yeah, you know Simon Clark. Of course. Shout out he's to Simon. Also a, he's also a LinkedIn guru, by the way. He works. <laughs> he's a he's a colleague of mine. And great he's, guy. He's saying it's about understanding direction of the company. You know, Anthony's saying leadership should communicate what and why, leave the how to the teams. So I love seeing all these comments and there's a lot more that are coming in. Here's a good kind of rule of thumb that I've always followed in because you mentioned communicating different levels requires different skill sets. And the way I think about it is, okay, if you're coming, if you're communicating to your leadership, you need to quickly build credibility. If you're communicating to your peers, you need to build trust. If you're communicating to those who you manage, you need to communicate in a way that shows that you care. These are the three. No, no, no. I, 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 think, I think you're spot on, right? Uh, you care and trust, right? Mm. Those uh, are, are key words because you've got to build credibility. Can you imagine your staff? Um, you, you are new to the organization, for example, right? You start telling people you want to do this, you want to do that, you know, you've got great plans and nothing happens. You know, you can imagine what your staff think of you, right? If you start 
promising things, right? At the end of the day, it's all about your credibility and yeah. how you communicate. And it and and to your point, communicating at the lowest lowest common denominator. I, I always use that as a rule of thumb. I will try to communicate. Okay, in in our world, in my world, in private banking, you've got different levels. You've got managers, you've got the bankers, then you've got the associate bankers who are the junior staff, right? I try to communicate as simply so that the most junior staff understand what I'm talking about. That way, I know it covers everybody, mm -hmm. right? Because if, if you start talking about things in apple pie, motherhood statements, not everybody's going to get you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So be clear, be concise, and you know, understand your audience to your point, right? Yeah. Understand who you're communicating to. A lot of people may be wondering, okay, okay, I get it. I have to, you know, be able to do all these things. But the question is, how do you do that though, Long? How do you even go about, let's say if you're communicating with your managers? Because I imagine a lot of times when people communicate to their managers, they get nervous. Right? And then no, no, like, oh, yeah, yeah. God. So, so that that's a very good point. You you learn by getting scolding. <laughs> you gotta get scolded. I, I, you know, when I was when I was growing up in the in the firm, right? It started out as a junior. You try to impress your bosses. You try to impress everybody by talking a lot, right? You try to cram in all that information, and time passes, right? And my boss and I still use this now. I'm like, stop get to the point, right? So, oh, sorry, I digress, right? So, so I think um, two parts to this. Firstly, as a manager now, to teach your staff. So there are some of us, they are managers, uh, to, to, to coach your, your staff, you actually have to be harsh to a certain extent. I mean, that's the quickest way to learn. You're like, Jessica, stop. I mean, if it's on one-on-one, -on -one, not to embarrass anybody, but like, Jessica, stop. What are you trying to say? Because sometimes they're they are lost in their own words. And then they get, you know, they literally get, get uh, carried away in the stories they want to tell. So stop. What's the point you're trying to make? Right, without embarrassing them, if it's a bigger group, it's a different type of words, different words that you have to use, right? But if it's one to one or a small group, bring them back. So, as a coach, as a manager, that's the quickest way to coach your staff. Mm -hmm. They will learn, all right. Um, on, on, but as a junior, right, speaking to seniors, remember time is important, right. If you've got five minutes, 15 minutes, use that time efficiently. Um, choose your words as simply as possible. Communication is about just allowing the other person to understand what you're trying to say. Don't use big words. Don't talk too fast. Don't convolute or complicate the situation. If there was a mistake, state, this is what happened. We screwed up here. This is what happened. Don't need to blame anybody. State the facts. I think that's the most important thing. State the facts, particularly in, in big corporations, right? Mm. Everyone's trying to 
second guess what the boss wants to hear. Now, that's where the problem comes. When you start second guessing what the boss wants to hear, you start putting things in there uh, in your in in the communication, and not the entire truth comes out, right? right. State the facts. When you state the facts, you can't go wrong. Right. Okay. So don't second guess your boss. And that's one thing I think I realized over the years is people never communicate properly because they are trying to figure out looking at the boss's body language, whether or not the boss is going to buy what they're trying to sell. But that's not the way it should be. It should be telling the truth, getting to the point, you know, state the facts. Right. That's it the best way to, to communicate. It reminds me, so a lot of the training that, that we do is to remind people to just simplify what it is they're trying to say. And you mentioned how sometimes you've had to actually say, stop. You have actually had to say, you have to tell people, okay, stop. What are you trying to say? So what I encourage everybody who's listening right now, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you are perhaps... And you always, you can tell when you're kind of speaking a bit longer than you need to. And, and perhaps you know this because you're now starting to repeat yourself. You yourself can control the situation. Hopefully, whether you have a boss like Long who tells you to stop or you kind of have to catch yourself, a good way to pivot is for you to verbally say, what I'm trying to say here is, and then you, and then you clarify your point. So you yourself want to try to catch it and then rein it back in. So you can, you can be going like really fast and then you say, okay, sorry, what I'm trying to say here is A, B, and C. So that's a good way for you to kind of like get back on the right track again. Another tip that I actually want to share in relation to this topic is, so anytime I had to communicate something very complex or very dense, I always go back to my, my own training of saying, okay, if I was going to explain this to my friend, if I was going to explain this to my mom, how would I say it, right? Just say it and treat it like a conversation. I think sometimes people put so much pressure on themselves to have to sound intelligent. But honestly, so, so that's a good point, right? Wanting to sound intelligent, mm -hmm. actually, that will get you into trouble, right? <laughs> by, by, by complicating the situation. And I like your point, like, if I were to tell a particular situation, explain the situation to my mom, mm -hmm. right? How would I do it? That That's a good way of framing it, right? Yeah. Because, you know, my mom's not going to be very technical, right? Put it in simple words um, and, you know, get your points across. So, you know, your point's well taken. So for those who are watching, just remember, these are just like really easy things that all of us can remember. And we should probably, you know, consider trying to practice these things. If you are jumping into a meeting later on today and you're presenting something next week, you know, just remembering these small golden nuggets are really, these are really ways you can elevate your leadership communication skills. So I'm going to do a quick reset right now. Long, we have almost 120 people who are dialing in right now, which is amazing for those who were So when Long and I were behind uh, backstage before we jumped on, Long and I were like, is anyone going to actually tune in, listen to us? So we're just like, well, if not, it's just going to be me and you talking. So we're just very happy. But, but I'm, I'm really happy that it's a global audience, right? You've got people from Canada, Indonesia, Philippines, California, Malaysia, Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, Kenya. Oh, my word. You know? Yeah. Pangea or oh, everywhere. Isn't it? You've awesome? got a you've got a global audience, Jessica. 
Well, I'm very grateful for people like you, Long, who come up and just, you know, are able to share their knowledge. And yeah, for those who don't know, I do these about uh, twice a month and it's always about communications and leveling up. Okay. So Long, when it comes to, you know, ascending the leadership role, because you've been with City for, dare I say, over 30 years. Is that Yeah, correct? yeah. Over 30. <laughs> I don't look it, right? I don't look you it, You look right? fantastic. So yeah, I didn't want... SK2, I was, okay. the power of SK2. <laughs> Is that I we're not um, promoting any ads here, but yes. <laughs> Anyways, so yes, when it comes to ascending the corporate leadership ladder, you know, there's a lot of politics too that people have to navigate. What are your thoughts about this? You know, when people are like, "Oh gosh," it's like, you know, politics dealing with people. It just it frustrates a lot of people. What's your approach to this, and how do you how do people navigate that? Wow, that's a tough question. It is. When moving up the ladder, depending on the organization, right? Uh, it's like some, it's a viper's pit, right? You you have to tiptoe around, right? You've got to, you know, this is a, a old story in in city. Uh, I was told I was told this can't verify. Um, uh, back in the day in the early two thousands there would be groups of people hanging around the, the boss's office, you know, hovering around, waiting for the boss to come out so that they can catch the boss and try and, you know, get their two cents in, right? Try and suck up the boss. There was a nickname for these people in the bank back in the day. They called them Hooverines. People who hover around the corridors waiting for the boss to come and so they can pounce on them. So the point is, when you want to go up the ladder, right? This was the, um, so I can only use my own experience mm -hmm. and how I um, moved up. I kept my nose clean. That's the first thing. I don't gossip in the office, right? I did the best that I could at my job. I kept my boss's interests as my interests. Very okay? key. So, so, so uh, make your boss's agenda your agenda, right? If your boss said, you know, uh, these three things are very important. For example, client acquisition, talent acquisition, and revenue, for example. Then you make those your you make your boss look good, right? And your boss will, uh, in return, look after you, hopefully, right? Um, I think it's, it's important that um, you, you, you set goals, short-term goals. I mean, you, 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 you can uh, look long-term. You can always say, look, I want to be CEO of the company one day. But like for me, it took me about 25 years to get to be CEO of, of Citibank Malaysia, right? But along the way, there were uh, detours. You know, a particular department that I was in, I did well, I just stayed on. Then suddenly I was pulled out to do something else. And one of my bosses, Paco, once said to me, he said, look, no, sometimes you have to take one for the team, which means to say you've got to sacrifice. 
as you move up the ladder. You've got to sacrifice time, even family. So when I was posted to Malaysia uh, to do anti-money laundering, which is not my area of expertise, you know, you I took it positively. You know, um, there was a new learning experience. You know, people um, work in different departments before uh, becoming CEO. But, you know, one of the things that I've learned as I moved up was the ability to work with people, work with people across all levels, right? You know, there are people that, you know, these Hooverines that I was talking about, um, they, they, they only suck up to the boss, right? That's not what you want. You want to work across all levels. You know, be good to your boss, yes. Be even better with your colleagues, your peers, right? Help each other out, right? How do you treat the office cleaners? How do you treat the tea lady? How do you treat uh, your, the, the secretaries, the, the personal assistants in the office? You treat them with respect. You partner and collaborate well with your peers. I think, I think when, when you put all these things together, people recognize you. Because in, in an office environment, as you move up the, your career ladder, bosses will ask, right? Oh, how's Lung doing? You know, and mm -hmm. people will talk, oh, he's great. You know, he helped me on this. Then boss, oh, okay, that's maybe keep at the back of his mind. But if 10 people say um, good things about you, chances are you're probably pretty good. Now, uh, I'll, I'll share this one example. I, I was interviewing maybe about three weeks ago. And normally, uh, I was looking for a particular individual in the private bank. And, I, I, and I'll use your name just as the example. I said, oh, uh, I, I interviewed, I was quite impressed with this individual, but I did background checks, right? Need to basically verify. So I asked people, so what do you think of Jessica? Now, in, gen in general situations, most of people will say, you know, Jessica's great, great communication skill, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, maybe she's a bit impatient. Maybe she is a bit too intense, right? Then the flip side comes. So when I interview somebody, this person, instead of 80% um, good stuff, 25%, when everybody starts going on, you know what, Jessica, this lady... You know, if I were you, read between the lines. People start talking. So it's 80% the bad stuff that comes out first and then the 20%. Now, then you know something is not right. Now, as a boss, when you're interviewing, or the point that I was trying to make is people talk. People know you. So when you work across all levels, people will generally have an impression of you, whether you're a good person or a bad person. Generally, it's going to be 80% good, 20%, you know. But if it turns around 80% no good, up front, you know straight away. Mm -hmm. and, right? Hit that buzzer. So people talk. So you need to be good to everybody. Yeah. Now, a good boss will do this these 360-degree uh, surveys, you want to call it, or checks, right? Because I do. I go right down to the grassroots, right? And I'll say, oh, how's Geraldine doing? How's Claudia doing? And then people 
in their you know relaxed mode might just comment right you know both positively or negatively but the natural response will come out so you need as you move up that ladder to reach out to work with everybody 360 it reminds me how easy it is in corporate culture for people to work in silos where people just kind of stay within just their little boundaries and they just kind of do the work because that's what's expected of them but really i think the art to leveling up is being able to do things outside of what is initially expected of you and being able to cross collaborate with other departments and i always say you know when you're interviewing when you're you know making decisions in a formal conference room i would argue 50% of all the things and all the decisions all the discussions have already been made outside of the boardroom it's these side conversations it's these small uh, that, that's that's such a that's such a great point right you know in our bank and i think there are some people that have dialed in from our bank people like simon and all they know right if you want to go for an approval for a particular product mm -hmm. in the bank we've got what do you call it a new product approval process right you, you know you don't go into the meeting cold right right you got to tie up the loose ends and then the final at the meeting it becomes a it, it should be easy it should be a rubber stamping exercise because all the conversations all the loose ends have already been tied up mm -hmm. it's not going there for the first time and everyone starts bombarding you with you with questions right so to your point the side conversations right your relationship mm -hmm. with the various departments you cannot work in silo uh, in the in this day and age no way you got to work as a team you know you mentioned this idea of how you treat people right and i cannot I can't emphasize enough how this is so important. A lot of times people are like, "Oh, I just need to treat my boss well. I just need to make him or her happy," right? You know, you mentioned like being nice to the junior staff, um, the cleaning lady, uh, the the executive assistants. Actually, I would say the executive assistants—they are the gatekeepers. You really? Oh yeah, they are the real boss. They are. <laughs> they are. You want to make an appointment with me? You got to go through Suyang, right? And and you know, at Christmas time, you see, oh. How come Suyang has got so many chocolates, flowers, yeah. cookies, right? Because they know who's the real boss. Exactly. Who they are who I call the gatekeepers and they're the ones who you need to actually make small talk with, get to know. Oh, what does what does he like? What does she like, right? That's really how you get that. Spot on. No, no, that that's so true, right? That's so true. You think the boss is the real boss? No. Uh, no way. It's funny. No, but it's true. Yeah. So, but it, it does remind me that, you know, when it comes to just working, whether you are in banking or you are in some other industry, I think that's just like a universal thing to always just remember that it's not just pleasing the boss, right? It's making sure that you're making everybody happy and you're trying to be as good of a team player as you can be, which kind of wants, I want to pivot now into this attitude. It's so important to come into work with a good attitude, but it's hard sometimes, right, Lung? It's hard to sometimes bring in a positive attitude when you just have a long to-do list of things to do. You're dealing with people who have all these demands, who can be kind of snappy sometimes. It's just hard. So, how do you maintain a good attitude? Oh dear! <laughs> You're asking me all these tough questions, you know. 
No um, better time. I, I, I think the important thing is this. Um, you need to prioritize, right? If you've got like 20 things on the agenda, 20 people who want to come and see you, right? Um, you need to prioritize. You got to know what's important, what's not important. That's the first thing, right? Um, but having said that, it's also important to let people know that they are heard, that if there are 20 people that want to see you, but you can only deal with five, you still need to reach out to the 15 and say, look, I know you need to see me. Today's not a good day. All right. Can we set an appointment with Sui Ying, the gatekeeper? You know, <laughs> yeah. those chocolates that you gave her, they'll get you up the leaderboard. They're paying off. <laughs> so, it's paying off, right? So, <laughs> so but the, the, the thing is, you got to prioritize because we are all inundated with. And, and that's why right at the beginning, I talked about communicating about timelines, setting timing, quantifying things. It's very important because if I say, look, I need this by the end of the week, which means to say I, I still have three, four days to go, right? I don't need to fix it today. It allows me mentally to prioritize, okay? Now, but knowing people, you know, everything gets done on Friday, right? Everything, you know, so, but we have to learn how to prioritize. And, and I think that's, that's the first thing. The next thing is, you talked about attitude, right? And, and I teach this all the time, but it's so hard to do. How do you maintain a positive attitude? Right? It is by doing things that you love doing. Hmm. Now, now that, that is so difficult. Okay. If you hate your job, I mean, I'll be upfront. If you hate your job, you shouldn't be in that job. All right. I tell people to be successful, or if you want a particular job. So, most people, uh, when I interview people, I, I don't ask them, what do you want to do? And this happened yesterday. There was a senior person that came to see me and talked about moving. He's not in the bank, an outside individual. I said, I asked him, instead of telling me what you want to do, tell me what do you love doing? And this individual is like 48 years old. He looked at me as stunned. He said, I never thought of it that way. I said, yes, because if you do something that you love, you don't need to worry about having that positive attitude. You'd want to go do it. You'd enjoy doing what you're doing. You would, you know, the prioritizing of, of jobs, it, it becomes a joy, a joy. You know, oh, I love doing this. Okay, I'll do this first. I'll get that done later because that's the way it is. You, if not, it become, you get frustrated if you hate your job. You get all muddled up, why do I need to do this? You know, and then you start procrastinating, right? You start putting things behind. So first question, you gotta know whether you love doing your job. If you if you hate it, you know, I think it's time to move on. If not, you 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 get all, you know. Yeah. And and I get it, you know, it's sometimes it's hard for people to find that joy in the day-to-day -day work. Because a lot of times the day-to-day -day work is just kind of like you know, just the small tasks, the things that you have to accomplish. But I think sometimes just 
allowing yourself to step back and see the bigger picture of why you're doing the small stuff sometimes can give you that, ah, that energy, that re-energizing, you know, feeling. And, and, and I tell this story and I've been telling this story lately. Um, see, I, I wasn't good at school. I was, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm ADHD, right? You know, to say I cannot focus for long. Um, I, I'm, my attention span is very, very short, slightly more than a goldfish, all right? <laughs> and, and so you've got to capture my attention. Now, people say, oh, Lung, how do you do well in your career then? And I said, well, that's because I happened, and it's by chance, to join the dealing room, all right? I was in the, in the markets world, right? Foreign exchange, uh, financial markets. So markets were always up and down, moving, right? Ambiguous, uncertain, right? A very VUCA type in, in, in environment. And that's what kept me going. And that's because of my character. Because my character allowed me to, and, and I enjoyed that sort of environment. That's why I did well. Yeah. So to your point, if, right? exactly. You know, and if you ask me to do work like in legal and compliance, right? Operation, I think I would die. No, <laughs> so not seriously. In that field, you guys all have yeah. traits, basically. Yeah. So, so, so it boils down to enjoying your work. Mm -hmm. That's why I stayed so long. I enjoy doing my work, right? Meeting people, enjoying the, the culture of the company as well. Yeah. You know, that's why I stayed so long. It's so important. You know, I will share. So I started out my career as a TV journalist, and that's also a very fast-paced industry too. Every day that's right. thing, and you just have to be on top of things. But the reason why I ended up transitioning into Soulcast Media, well, was one was because I really wanted to help people with improving their communication confidence. But after a while, actually, in that industry, I started to feel a lot less stimulated, actually, in that industry that, to me, it actually started to feel very... Um, is like repetition almost kind of like I would walk in every day and I kind of would know what I needed to do. And this was after almost 10 years for me in that industry. So I knew I needed to pivot. So one thing that I want to do, which by the way, long, you and I have been chatting for over 40 minutes now. And for those, oh, who really? I know it's been flying, hasn't it? Okay. I want to get to some questions. Because uh, yep. I know we've been getting some questions from folks who've been watching, which, by the way, continue to share some of your questions with us and put it in the chat. So this one I want to ask is actually from Shirley Ho. So she's asking, <laughs> any tips for new people managers communicating with their people? Sure. Okay. Hello, Shirley. Um, new managers communicating. Okay. So this is the funny part. It's reverse. If you are a new manager, don't communicate. Hmm. Listen. Right? Let your staff communicate to you. Let them tell you their point of view first. Then you figure things out, wh what the situation is. Then you communicate. Okay? Because... You don't know when you're a new manager going into a new environment. It's a new culture. You do not know who the players are. You do not know who pulls the strings. Listen first. 
right? Watch people, watch. Because you can see, right? You go to pantry, you hang around, you watch, okay, who, you know, you know who's holding court, right? So instead of going in there and telling everybody, you got to do this, go to do that, these are my big plans, go and ask questions, right? Shirley, tell me, what are your goals? What do you think we should do? Then people start opening up. Oh, the boss wants to hear my view. Then they start opening up. Then you're, oh, that's really good. So Simon, tell me, what do you think, you know? Um, What's, what's happening lately? Listen to them. Then you form your thoughts. Then you communicate. Don't go in there with guns blazing, thinking that you are, you know, there to save the world. It doesn't work that way. Good managers are the best at listening because they know that that is really the key. It's not about directing and being like so commanding. It's not so much like that. It's really listening to what everybody else is saying and then being able to kind of take that information and then work with it. That's so important. Um, actually, Shirley, that reminds me, we do actually, we have a course here at Soulcast Media called Communicating as a New Manager. And a lot of it's really about listening. So take a look oh, at that. Oh, let, me, let me just add something to my earlier point about listening, right? So I came on board uh, in private bank uh, about coming up two years, right? But it took me one year, all right, to figure things out. So it's not you're there for one week and you get everything. It took me about one year to figure things out. Of asking right? questions. Asking questions, right? And you slowly then exert your position, okay? It is not day one, you know, coming out and telling everybody what to do because... No, you are a new manager. Listen first. Mm-hmm. One year. That's how long I took. Maybe I was a, a slow learner. But basically, it takes that long to yeah. build trust, right? And to understand what's going on. Yeah. And just imagine if you, know, if you are a new manager and you go into a brand new team who's really used to doing things a certain way. And then you know, a new manager comes in and it's changing this, changing that, da, 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 like really fast. It can be quite jolting for the people who are already in it. Absolutely. In Right. And yep. like I said, you're as a new manager, you're trying to also build that credibility as well with your team. And, you know, the quickest way to eliminate that credibility is to literally not listen to what other people are telling you. So there's another question Lung, that I want to actually bring up. So this one is from earlier, actually, it's from Philip King. So he says, having good leadership communication skills is also about attention to details and not making assumptions. But do you think that a lot of that comes from experience or is it something that can be taught or is it innate? So good attention to details if people aren't really good about that. Okay, so I'm one of those. I'm very bad with details. I'm so bad at details. It's not funny. Um, so it depends on which level you're at, right, in, in, in the workplace. As a manager, I have got um, good people around me that work on the details. All right, I I'll be honest with you. I'm not very good at details. Like I said, right? I'm ADHD. I'm like, you know, cannot focus for too long. So, but I know what's important. Okay, so 
when the, the, the people that work around me know what I'm looking for. They know what details to feed me and for me to communicate. But like I always say, quantify. There are always certain things that need to be there. Timelines, quantifying the, the, the goals, right? What was the past goals? Where are we? What are the gaps? Those sort of things, right? Um, uh, where I mentioned it depends on where you are in your career. If you're a junior operation staff and, and details, if you're in, say, for example, operations, your goal is about details. Okay? Your goal is nothing but detail. Because if you don't pay attention to details, there will be, you know, um, operational losses, things happen, bad things happen, right? So it really depends. And if you, your character, you're not a detailed person, in so you're going to be a, a you know, square peg in a round hole. You're not going to do well, okay? So you need to understand and be self-aware on your personality, your uh, skill set, mm-hmm. all right? Because if, if you're not good with details, I, I think in, in a department that requires a lot of detail, then it becomes a problem. Alternatively, if you happen to be in an, an area where uh, you need details, but you have good people that surround you and you're the manager, then they should feed you the details, right? And you then distill what is important and what's not important. Because sometimes too much details complicates and convolutes the conversation. I think that's a good point. And it's what you just said. It's if you know yourself that you are not the best detailed person, then yeah, perhaps this specific role you're in may not be the right fit because you're going to continuously struggle. So maybe not so much operations, but maybe you should sit with strategy, right? Strategy is a big picture kind of, you know, department, right? Because Again, if you're not going to do well in your role, then it's not going to look good. Okay. So one of the other questions that I want to pull up is from Dion Yi. Okay. Oh, I know. I, I, I read that. I saw that. Were you trying How to avoid- do we manage toxic and yes. difficult employees? I right? think it's a very important question to answer. Yeah. Well, I, I, I had to deal with many toxic, difficult employees. There's only one way to deal with them. It's actually pull them aside and have a conversation. You cannot let, especially as a manager, you cannot let toxic people fester in your department. They will pull the department apart. You have to pull them apart and put them on either a performance improvement plan, have that serious conversation. The interesting part is some of the, sometimes these uh, individuals don't know that they're creating problems. True. They're not self-aware. Yeah. All they do is go around gossiping, stabbing people. They, they don't realize it's bad. Right. They, they didn't, and no one ever told them. So I would, as a manager, I would pull them aside first. Right? And it just happened to me maybe a week and a half ago. One of my managers, I pulled him aside. And I said, listen, uh, one of your staff is moving out. I'm moving that staff out. And like, why? I said, because I don't think you're a great communicator. I don't think you're a great manager. 
you are a great... So now you have to balance out the conversation though, right? So I said, by the way, you are a great client person. Focus on that. All right? Don't manage. So I pull people, you know, managers aside and, and have, have had these sort of conversations, right? Focus on what you're good at. But toxic people, ooh, that's bad. That's why um, I, when I interview, one of the, the first thing I look for or the main thing I look for is cultural fit, mm-hmm. right? Not, not, you know, how big your book is, how technically sound you are. Because if you've been working in another organization for 15 years or so, you know, that, that's probably, you know, you're technically pretty good, right? Because you've stayed there so long. But I don't want you to bring a culture that is toxic, that doesn't fit, you know, our city culture and create problems for me, for the team, for the organization. Mm-hmm. And these are tough conversations to have. I mean, for you as a manager to have that conversation, it's not a happy situation for you. You probably would rather not have that kind of conversation. But the thing is, you have to have it because having a toxic person within a team will just bring the whole team down. And it's... It is like a cancer, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't catch it early, it just spreads. Here's a tricky question for you, Long. If somebody is working with somebody and everybody else on the team knows this one person is toxic, how does one even tell the manager that it's difficult working with this one person? Okay, so it depends on how bad it is, right? If it's really bad, the manager will get to hear real fast. Yeah. The other thing is if a manager walks the floor, hangs out at the water cooler, that connects at the most junior person you get to hear all these things you know um i think um the, the, lee ioka Oka back in the 80s came out with this book right management by walking around when he was at chrysler i i think when you walk the floor you get to hear things and people are at their um most vulnerable they'll just you know, while they're talking, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so, they said this. And you pick these these things up. But you can only pick these things up by walking the floor, by, you know, talking to people, by, you know, hanging out at the grassroots level. If not, if you, as a manager, sit in your ivory tower and don't connect with the ground, these things will never come to you. No one will ever tell you anything it's kind of like what we were mentioning at the beginning of this it's like a lot of the conversations happen not in these formal types of meetings a lot of the real conversations happen outside of these boardroom conversations right it's these side conversations that people are absolutely more casual absolutely yeah okay so we're about to wrap up here long because we've been chatting for almost an hour really oh my gosh we should just make this a regular. Oh, yeah, I, 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 people still in the call? Yeah, there's Are over there 100, 100 people. people. Yeah. Okay. Okay, okay. As we wrap up here, first, first of all, thank you all for staying. We still have over 100 people who are just enjoying this chat, and we appreciate it. Okay, Lung, if people, if you wanted people to walk away today, 
with some very good golden nuggets of leadership communication skills. And I always say golden nuggets because that's what they are. What can people apply, learn, do once they get off this call today when it comes to leadership communications? Hmm. Okay. Um, first thing I would say is uh, listen before you talk. Okay. I think that that's important. Um, keep it simple. It's another. Um, try not to use big words. And maybe the last thing is um, look at yourself. Be self-aware. Enjoy what you're doing. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing, you know, maybe it's time to get up. And that's sometimes hard, right? It is sometimes hard when... Not easy. You know? Yeah. It's not easy. One advice that I would share to kind of wrap up this call is because we're talking about leadership communication skills. To me, I view leadership communications as just really, you just got to understand people, you know, like it's just remembering in the end, you know, if you're talking to your manager and you get nervous, just remembering, hey, we're all people in the end, we're humans, you know, so don't treat this person as like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I get nervous or I don't know how to interact. It's just reminding yourself that, hey, Lung, Lung's a dad. Lung has interests. You know, he has hobbies, just like me, right? You know, it's just reminding ourselves of the humanity of us all. And I think that can take away a lot of the fear when it comes to community communications. Fantastic. You, you know what? Maybe the next session we should talk about is how to make small talk. <laughs> True. R right? How, how, how do you, you know, get to know somebody? How do you make small talk? How do you, you know... Uh, communicate how do you you know get along sounds like a interesting next topic we should do that so for those who are watching again we want to say thank you all for staying until the top of the hour and just enjoy, hopefully you guys all enjoyed our conversation like i said we've gotten such great feedback again we might invite long back for the fourth one i mean he already volunteered to come back <laughs> he already has a topic in mind so we're gonna make that happen <laughs> Anyway, so again, Lung, I appreciate you taking your morning with us. And for those who are joining from around the world, hopefully this was some good inspiration to get you through the day or, you know, wind down for your evening. Lung and I shared a lot of really great tips. So here at Soulcast Media, we are actually compiling all these tips inside our VIP communications pass, which you can see here on the bottom. You didn't have to take notes. We're going to be doing it for you. So if you guys are interested in the VIP communications pass, which is what we have here at Soulcast Media, you can scan the QR code or just go to our website, soulcastmedia.com. Again, thank you, Lung. Thank you all for the over 100 people who stayed on and just listened to our chat. If you all have any topics that you want Lung and I to chat next time, Lung is already committed. He wants to do small talk, but we're also open to different ideas as well. So again, thank you all. And thank you, Lung, for taking the time. Take care, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're inspired to begin improving your communications confidence, well, we'd love to help. Join our monthly communications membership where I teach a brand new communications workshop every single month. Or become a VIP member to access our best communications articles for life. Or maybe get one-on-one -on -one coaching with one of our board of communicators. We offer so many ways for you to learn and it's